Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Jane Matthews, reporter at FT Advisor, and today we're going to discuss what 2023 might have in store for the buy-to-let sector. 2022 has been a turbulent year for the rental sector and for the mortgage market. According to Zoopla's latest rental market report, rents have increased by 12% on average in the last year. This was largely driven by a mismatch in supply and demand with a shortage of available rental properties. Pressure is also being felt by landlords, in particular since September's mini-budget, after which we saw sharp interest rate rises and a huge decline in the number of mortgage products available on the market. More recently, UK Finance predicted this week that lending to landlords will fall around 27% next year. So joining me today to discuss all of this are two well-versed mortgage brokers, Adele Forbes, Managing Director of West Yorkshire Money, and Paul Holland, Managing Director of Henchurch Lane Financial Services. Welcome to you both and thank you for joining us. Paul, I'll start with you. What are you seeing on the ground at the moment with clients? Are they confident? Confidence is an interesting word to be thrown around in the the mortgage market at the moment. It's it's something that we've certainly seen a little bit of a decline in over the recent uh, weeks and and months, really, since mainly since the mini budget was announced sort of at the back end of September. Um, Decisions are certainly becoming a little bit more difficult to come by. Uh, there's much less confidence um, around things like making purchases and decisions on um, new deals for their mortgages and and ultimately what they're looking to do um, you know with their their buy to their portfolios come 2023. Sure and what about you Adele how are you seeing things? Um, clients are a bit nervous, uh, apathy, uh, damaged, consumers uh, confidence, clients look like they're waiting for rates to drop which they are doing in the, in the past couple of weeks um short fixed fixed terms flexibility of changing rates things like that that's what's happening in the market sure sure and i know we've seen rates stabilize somewhat in the past month kind of on average now according to money facts they're sitting just above six percent but if we look back in september they were just above three percent so i'm just curious where do you think they're going to go in the new year we kind of have we stabilized now are you expecting to see some more changes I think personally that uh, a lot of what's going to happen in in the coming months is really down to you know what the the bank rate determines and, and how that looks like uh, come sort of January time. So there's another meeting tomorrow from the MPC where there's obviously talk of that being increased again. And uh, whether or not that happens is is obviously to be seen. Um, there's quite a big buffer uh, between uh, the bank rate, which is currently three percent, and the fixed rates that you've touched on there already. You know, five, six plus percent. Um, and historically, it's not normally that big. So whether or not they factored in some kind of um, buffer due to the fact that they, they're aware of what the, the bank rate is going to do or as a precautionary measure, um, it, like I say, is to be seen. So we have seen things stabilise, um, whether or not that buffer was built in at, a, at such a rate that, you know, even if it does go up again tomorrow, fixed rates might hold fast. There's still quite a, a big window for them to come down some. So, yeah, it, all is to be seen, but, but things are looking a little bit more positive than they were. And I think Adele would agree uh, over the past sort of three or four months. Sure. Yeah. Adele, do you want to come in on that? Um, it's difficult to say. I mean, the banks seem to seem to think the rates will peak about 3. 3.75 to 4.25, but before falling back down to settle around 3% in 2024. It's difficult to say. I don't think going the way of, of buy-to-lets, I think they seem to be more restrictive on the buy-to-lets, which is why we're seeing some of, the, some of the issues with the lenders at the moment. Sure, yeah. And then on lenders then, I know, Adele, we had spoken about this before um, with stress testing. So immediately after the mini-budget, I know um, lenders increased the level at which they were stress testing buy-to-let 
um, yeah. mortgages. Um, and a lot of brokers at the time said this was something that would make buy to let unviable. Um, mm-hmm. Has it settled down? I've actually got a lady who was trying to buy um, a limited company buy to let yesterday, actually, a purchase. I'm obviously not, I suppose, seeing the proper impact unless you put figures in front of a you know, client, they don't really see what the problem is. I mean, when um, I know we spoke before, it was, I think, TNW put them up to 8.49% stress testing. Yesterday, I had a little bit of a glimpse of what was going on there. Um, Skipton, 7.6 or 6%, BN, 6.5. TMW dropped theirs from 8.49, as I said before, 6%. So they are coming down a little bit. However, you know, they're going to really have to put the rent up to, to kind of cover the costs of landlords. It is forcing those smaller landlords out. Mm-hmm. And Paul, yeah, we also spoke about this and you gave a, a great um, example just of what the, these increases mean in real terms. Um, and some of our listeners might remember reading about this at the time, but you had a one of your clients, they were coming off a two year fix. It was just over three percent. The repayments at the time were £330 a month. And in the best rate that you could get, the most competitive one, saw that increase to over 6% and the repayments jumped to £840, which is an increase of £510 a month. And I think the rental income on that was £950. So it only leaves just over £100. In that situation, presumably, they have no choice but to either increase the rent or look at selling. Yeah. Yeah. Where is that at the moment? So that one actually went ahead um, on the two-year fixed deal at the higher amount. Um, that particular case, and it, it might happen across the board, uh, Adele might have um, clients in a similar position where the rental was actually quite a, a bit lower than the market rental. So there, there is an element there of of them being able to increase that without it. It, it sort of really, it's obviously going to impact their tenants, but but not in a, you know, in a, in a massively negative sense because they're not going to be able to get something cheaper elsewhere. But, you know, with a small increase to the rent, um, that will ultimately cover them for probably a short period of time uh, on that basis. But they've done that two-year fix to kind of see how things ride out, um, and they'll revisit it again come the end of that fixed rate and decide then, you know, where rates are depending on whether or not it's worth uh, keeping or selling. Um, and, And to that end, we've seen people in a similar position really entertain things like tracker rates now because, it, it kind of gives them that short-term flexibility whereby they'll they'll say, not sure if we need to get rid of it or not. Let's see how this pans out. If rates come down, we can fix something in because the tracker rate has that flexibility. And if they don't and it becomes unviable, um, at that point we can we can potentially look to sell the property um, without an exit penalty. So, um, yeah, we're looking at or we're seeing people entertain those things a little bit more than, than what we're used to. Sure, yeah. And from what I see, there's not much of a difference between two-year rates and five-year rates at the moment anyway so are you finding a lot of clients are going for the two-year rate yeah Yeah. even in some cases they're cheaper um and i don't know whether or not that's you know lenders being clever and and trying to you know fix these people in for a longer time with this premium because they know rates are going to come down over that period of time but you know human nature um certainly see some people opting for those because they're cheaper and they like a little bit of security um, but on the flip side, there's just as many people uh, not wanting that that sort of long longer term commitment with with the uncertainty around the market at the moment. Sure, yeah. And Adele, I know you have some personal experience of this yourself. Um, you, I think, chose to sell your buy to let property recently. Yeah. So I'm an accidental landlord. So my buy to let uh, is in Chester, so it's a long way from where where I live at the moment. I've had it for a couple of years. Where 
you know, it's on the consent to let. So it's not as if I can just do a product transfer, which I'm finding a lot of a lot of clients are like probably call this just because it's easy, you know, available. I would have to my the mortgage on that on that was 137 on 200. I was charging 700 pounds for it. I'd had to put it up to 950 pounds, which is a 250 pound increase for that lady who's on her own, you know, in Chester now. It's a great demand for rentals there. It's brilliant. But I just couldn't do that to her, um, as well as it's my time to, to get out. So it is, it is absolutely empty at the moment, which obviously I'm feeding the void because I'm having to cover the mortgage payments. I think my mortgage payments are about, with being on the standard variable of that lender, because uh, they won't allow you to fix, um, is about £500. So you can see, you know, I'm not, it's, it's not making anything there. You know, by the time you've paid your, you, you know, your landlord and shorts and maybe a boiler cover and things like that, you made some costs on Sure. Yeah, it's certainly tricky. So then looking to the next year then, where do you think we'll see the market go more generally in 2023? What will be the big issues? Paul, I'll go to you. Yeah, so I think um, 2023 is uh, at the moment uh, something that not a lot of people have got many answers for. Um, a lot of people are sitting tight waiting for, for things to to really sort of rear their heads as to what's going to happen with rates and whether or not there's going to be a mass exodus of buy-to-let investors as a result of that. It is really going to be dependent on a lot of things. You know, when their fixed rate comes to an end, there'll be plenty of people with uh, a couple of years, three years left on their fixed rates that won't really be impacted right now. Um, there's been changes from the Chancellor, such as um, capital gains tax allowance being reduced, which is probably a preventative method. But at the same time, you know, people forget that we're still in a housing crisis. There's still going to be demand for houses going forward. So, you know, it might not necessarily be as as dark as everybody's predicting. But there will be some shift in, in, you know, in the demand for houses for sure. There'll be a decline in house prices across the board, no doubt. Whether or not that's quite as dramatic as people are, are sort of predicting, I, I doubt. But um, there's certainly going to be some sort of downturn. Uh, but it's, it's really going to be a year of people, um, you know, sitting tight until they know what's happening and then sort of basing their decisions on, on their financial situations at the time, I think. Um, so demand's likely to, to take a big hit. Um, and there'll be some, you know, I imagine throughout the year, just as, as many changes as there, as there has been this year with regards to products, criteria, and maybe even interventions from people like the, the lenders themselves or even the government. Sure. Hopefully less political turmoil. Yeah. Um, do you want to come in on that? Um, I think there's quite, you know, there's numerous things to mention, um, which obviously quite quite difficult to predict. Mortgage affordability, recession, potential job losses are the three major indicators I think they'll be looking at. Um, there is the cost of utilities, increasing rates, you know, um, there is going to be a void there because, you know, they can't go on with you know, tenants paying out the roof and we need tenants because, you know, not everyone can get a mortgage these days. So I think it's quite difficult to predict. But I, yes, like Paul, I don't think it is probably as human gloom as we feel. Yeah, I think um, you know a lot of people forget that a buy to let as a as a mortgage book for lenders is is hugely important. Um, and and yes, they can afford. Uh, like we all have to go through an element of austerity. You know, it it can't be sustained to the point where they lose their their buy to let back book because it, it costs you know costs them too much money. So you know that there will be methods and things that they bring in that that will help um, curb that as as best they can. Sure, sure. And do you think we can expect to see any big changes from lenders to support the market? 
Yes, I think ultimately there's going to have to be. Um, I think it will be a, uh, a conversation that's had between people like uh, the Chancellor, the government, as well as lenders um, in terms of their criteria and little ways and means in which they might be able to um, you know, mitigate the, 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 the issues that we're having around affordability um, and demand. Ultimately, they're having to step in to, to make sure that the market is is upheld to to some degree. So I think we'll, we'll start to see, um, you know, little um, ideas coming out of the woodwork, uh, and yeah, things that brokers are going to have to be factoring into their conversations with their clients and discussing these options with them. Sure, Adele, what about you? Um, I think banks need to lend. There's, you know, there's no doubt about that. But I think just going to be cautious. Um, I suppose they'd rather not lend where any capital where they can potentially lose it. So they've got to be careful maybe that is to, you know, the mortgages that are not up at 75%, maybe a lower bracket. I think you'll see more, more of those. And obviously, it's, I think the, the higher lenders where they, they're lending 75% will be forced. Because sure. that, they've got to put the capital injection to get the, the mortgages down quite a lot. Is that yeah. something you're seeing already with clients that they're kind of maybe going for a lower loan to values? Yes, yeah. Yeah, we we are, um, especially when we touched on the the stress testing earlier on, you know, in terms of rates and stress testing, 25% deposit on a buy-to-let purchase versus a 30% deposit now makes a huge difference. Um, So if anything, you know, if people can stump up that extra deposit or look at other ways and means in in ways and to reduce that loan to value, that's really going to be where the difference in, in these products really show. So we're noticing a lot at the moment that you know the the, the products and and the deposit sizes are, are really really impacted from an affordability perspective and from a stress test perspective as well. We'll force out those I suppose those rogue landlords because there are rogue landlords, yeah. making them a bit more accountable for their actions. You know, you've seen on the news where where there's a, there's a child died because obviously the regulation wasn't doing what it should be doing. You know, it needs to be bit more stringent I think and a bit more tighter for some of those vulnerable customers that you've got out there or vulnerable tenants let's say yeah it's it's been quite easy to get into the buy to let market over the, the last sort of decade let's say uh, and there's been lots of profit in it and not a great deal of you know regulation whereas actually if those things come into play uh, hopefully it should weed out some of those people and, and it's probably not a, not a bad thing so things like the introduction of this epc changes yeah. you know the, the, the fact that if you've got a limited company you know long term it's probably going to make more sense financially as well those little changes i think are, are really going to be a positive impact on on the, on the buy to let market and make it a little bit more of a professional standing really yeah and is that where you think the market is going that we will see further professionalization of the sector in the new year i think so i hope so yeah i hope so yeah it needs doesn't it yeah yeah so sorry but i think more lenders will you know you used to be able to get a first-time landlord you know i think those lenders will you you need two years experience or you need a bit more experience than what, what they have been in the past Sure, sure. So does that mean then for, say, a landlord who might have one property, is it in their interest then to maybe look at doing it um, as a limited liability company or what way What way does that actually work in practice then? So the big difference between um, buying a property on a personal basis versus through a buyer-to-let company are mainly tax changes or tax differences. Um you know, the products themselves tend to be a little bit more expensive. They come with higher product fees. 
but that you know when you come to submitting your tax return and submitting the income you can offset things like the interest whereas you can't on a personal basis you can offset you know you can offset fees and things like that from both sides but um the the, the difference in taxation it already makes a big difference as as it stands but when rates keep increasing and interest becomes higher and higher uh, you know it, it points more towards the, the limited company option just because it, it makes it more financially viable from from a, a business perspective so by doing that if you crunch the numbers it you know it's a bit of a no-brainer nowadays whereas before it's a little bit kind of on the fence and not a lot of people would go through the extra aggravation of setting up limited companies and paying accountants and things like that whereas now if you don't you know you're ultimately going to have less money in your pocket at the end of the year um clients are more open to it i know i know paul and bound by regulation you know where to talk and put them in the cap you know the accountant's direction obviously on tax advice but yeah it's becoming more easy to have those conversations because they're more open to it and i think you know they need to be yeah i agree and i know paul you did touch on it there with the changes coming down the line with the epc regulations um, and obviously energy efficiency is something that's on all of our minds at the moment i think especially with this cold spell but um with that epc changes um so i think it will be that the properties will have to have a c rating by the end of 2025 for new tenancies and 2028 for existing tenancies so is that something that you are both seeing clients already prepare for is it kind of front of mind at the moment I don't know if you're prepared for it, but it's coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, landlords never really want to hear about things, extra work that they've got to do with a, with a deadline. But, you know, it has to be done. And, and again, it just points towards the professionalism of the sector. You know, if you've got a property that's that's leaking heat and it's not efficient, then, you know, it's in their best interest to, to get it to get it sorted and they have to intervene at some point and say, right, there's a deadline to this now. I think I'm not entirely sure about the the deadline. I heard it was 2027. Um, that's the last thing that I read. I'm not sure um, if it's 2027 or 2028, but we're already seeing um, lenders give little incentives with regards to their products for people within certain brackets. So it's yeah. probably going to be more geared towards that as we go through the next couple of years very similar to when they were giving benefits to people with electric cars until that's the norm, just to kind of give that little bit of a additional incentive, incentivization for those people. But yeah, we're seeing those in the product list already. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought more, more kind of regulation and more stringent restrictions on certain things, you know, um, along the way. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah. Just make that faster. Sure, and maybe some more innovation then from lenders in the new year on that front. Um, yeah, there's also, um, you can go on gov.uk and check your EPC rating already. So whatever that is currently listed at on, on that register, it will show you. So if you've got properties, then it's a good place to start. It, it will tell you what the rating currently is. It will also give you little tips and tricks and ways in which you might be able to bring that that rating up as well. So it's probably a good time to start looking into that, I would say, for lenders uh, and landlords, sorry. Great, yeah. And then just to wrap it up then, I'm just curious about your outlook on the market in general for the new year. Do you think we can expect to see the market shrink in 2023? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Landlords, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger, bigger players, you know, the people who do the job and do it, do it well, I think. Yeah, and so... Will this be positive for renters? Do you think? Oh, okay. So, firstly, the uh, 
I suppose the reduction um, or the shrinkage in the market is a little bit misleading because the market's been at probably 130% for the last two years. So, you know, the first bit of, of shrinkage is, is actually just going to bring things back down to normal levels. On top of that, yeah, there's likely to be some sort of um, further shrinkage, I would imagine, um, especially like Adele said in the buy-to-let sector. But that's also not a bad thing. It will ultimately result in there being a small downturn probably in house prices. There'll be some good deals for people that are in it for the long term. And, you know, the house prices are too expensive at the moment. So a little bit of a downturn. They've gone up, what, 20% in the last two years? That's far too quick. So even if there's a 10 15% reduction in house prices, that should be welcomed. You know, it shouldn't be something that people are worrying about unless you've bought a 95% last year and you're looking to sell this year, which shouldn't be that many people, um, then you'll be in a strong position in, you know, in the housing market. Sure. Adele, do you want to come in on that? I agree with what Paul says, to be fair. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I think it'll certainly be an interesting year next year. So we will leave it there for this week. Adele, Paul, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening. We'd like to wish you all a very happy Christmas and we will be back in the new year for the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.